Great to uh, to join you, Bruno. I thought we should um, have a conversation about the the way 2020 is shaping up to be the year of the China challenge or the China reality check, but also how countries as diverse as Australia, France, European partners, how we're responding and is there any realistic prospect of forming some kind of international solidarity to set limits to China's uh, power and coercion? What, what, what's your view from, um, from where you sit? I think the conversation on China is slowly changing. Uh, in Europe, uh, very slowly, but uh, significantly, uh, mostly in Germany, France, and the UK. Uh, in other countries, it's sometimes less clear. But I think that 5G is um, certainly the main driver of that change. Uh, it's not the only driver. Uh, the big difference between Europe and um, uh, the Indo-Pacific is obviously the fact that for most European countries, the security and defense dimension of the Chinese challenge is much less obvious to a public opinion, certainly, and to most governments. I mean, for France and the UK, it's slightly different. Where we used to have a maritime presence in the area. We have these strong cooperations with Australia, India, Japan, and other countries. But the security and defense uh, challenge is much less obvious in Europe overall than it is in, the, uh, in your part of the world. But that conversation is slowly changing um, in a quite disorderly fashion. But uh, from the center of Brussels, you do see the change with Brussels is kind of the balance point of various European positions. It is changing. What about, I mean, you know, the security can be defined in all sorts of ways. What about issues like uh, the, you know, the origins of the pandemic or human rights or Hong Kong or, 5G, a lot of these issues that are not about navies and militaries and um, I guess border coercion, such as the Indians have encountered. Uh, how is that? How are all these other issues playing into the European debate? Well, this is where it gets interesting. Uh, Hong Kong was uh, seen and managed differently from London, obviously, than it was in European capitals. Uh, the Uyghur question problem whatever you want to call it, is now fairly visible in the media. Plus, there is the fact that the Chinese diplomats have been acting in a very peculiar way in some EU countries, including mine, including in France. And all of this gives overall the impression of a Chinese problem, not necessarily a Chinese threat, though. And that's the, well, at least from a, um, from a security and defense standpoint. And that's the reason why, even though I think there, is a, there are chances for some kind of informal groupings to discuss uh, the China issue uh, among democratic countries. But I don't think the Europeans are ready in any way, shape or form to uh, join into whatever anti-China alliance that, that the United States in particular seem to be interested in, um, in dragging, uh, dragging us in. Yeah, I think we've, look, I guess from our point of view, we've had it, it's been a slightly different year because although, you know, Australia's obviously at this stage coped better with the consequences of the pandemic. It's a long way to go yet. We've had this um, experience of economic coercion, uh, China making, you know, not, not just, I guess, peculiar diplomacy, but very explicit threats of economic coercion and following through on them. We've seen what's happened uh, to India. I've had a separate conversation recently with my uh, our friend and colleague, Samir Saran there. And, uh, you know, I think there's a greater expectation now from some of the countries in the Indo-Pacific uh, that we, even if we don't want to get with the Trump program, the full American program, we do want some kind of, um, I guess, 
solidarity to set limits to Chinese power. And, and the converse, real conversations are happening in, um, in India, Australia, um, some other parts of the region here about the costs we're willing to pay for that, I think in Japan too. So I think we are wondering where Europe sits. We've seen Britain take a pretty dramatic turn this year. So what, I mean, what do you see as changing this picture? Is it, you know, it, will it be some sort of other threat or risk to European interests? Will it be a change of administration in the United States? Or is this really how the 2020s are likely to play out in this dynamic? It's, well, interesting, it's all these factors which are changing the perception of China. Uh, interestingly, I don't think COVID-19 and the so-called Wuhan virus, as uh, Mr. Trump likes to call it, uh, is, uh, has been the main driver. It's all these factors, but, but there's a big but, which is uh, very simply the question of uh, potential costs. And yeah. that's a common thread in the conversation, I guess, in your part of the world and, uh, and, in, and in Europe. Uh, it's a big um, question of, uh, for, of course, our 5G licenses, in particular, our 5G our operators are screaming for uh, more leniency in the attribution of frequencies, etc. And, um, and etc. for the re renewal of hardware, etc. Now, um, if you imagine a Biden presidency, I don't think this would make the Europeans more eager to uh, bandwagon behind the United States uh, and maybe other countries uh, for dealing with the China. China. In fact, I think one of the most misunderstood uh, questions in Europe is the fact that, um, I mean, except for uh, people like you and I, is the fact that the Biden administration would, uh, in, in a certain way, uh, be as committed to addressing the China challenge and having the Europeans on board uh, as, um, as the Trump administration is today. I mean, they were, we're slowly beginning to realize this. Uh, 